Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you. Glad that you could um, join us this morning. We praise the Lord for a wonderful day yesterday. And uh, we had a great time of uh, some fellowship and food and fun. And um, just a lot of people here, which was awesome to see and experience. And 
It's just a good time of brothers and sisters getting together, and we had some friends that were able to join us. And so thank you to everybody that was um, here, and especially those who volunteered their time uh, months ahead of time to plan yesterday's Harvest Fest, and to those who were here uh, volunteering yesterday, just serving with the setup and all throughout the event and afterwards. So as you can imagine, with an event like that, it takes a lot of people, a big team, and a lot of uh, people willing to volunteer their time. So we thank you uh, for that, everyone that provided food and set up and the games and um, uh, all the supplies that we needed. So we are grateful for that. It certainly does uh, require a community of people to um, to work together as we use our spiritual gifts to lift each other up and our talents and of the giving of our time. So it was a wonderful uh, time yesterday, so we are thankful. And, um, you know, it's good to be in this place because it's the first day of a new week. Uh, usually we look at that as Monday morning, right? And you get up, you're like, oh, another week. But we really want to see Sunday morning as the beginning of a new week because we get to do that together, you know, and encourage each other. And that's why it's important, you know, that we gather in this space because you can see each other face to face. You give somebody a hug, a handshake, and be an encouragement to others, and we are blessed by others as well. And I was reminded this morning in a conversation I was having earlier in our time of preparation that, you know, as we get to talk to people in person that uh, on Sunday morning especially, you know, that we are reminded that God is at work in people's lives. So when we hear other people talking about how Jesus has brought some healing to their life, or answering a prayer, or bringing someone into their, their family or their life, and it's very encouraging and uplifting, and it can be re, a reminder to us, especially when we allow the things of this world to uh, take our eyes off of him, which happens to all of us, that it's a beautiful, beautiful reminder that God is working, and he's alive, and when we see him working in other people's lives, like, yes, that is the same God, and it reminds us of things he's done for us in the past, and be a great way to uh, motivate us into um, the next day, and so we're grateful, and so we're going to worship God together this morning. We're going to worship him through music, and right now I'm going to read from his word as a way to bring us into worship through song. We'll, of course, open his word as we continue in our series in Matthew, the King and Kingdom. We'll pray together and have some more time of fellowship, so um, it is a blessing, and I hope that you uh, realize that. And so now I'm just going to ask that as you uh, hear me read from this passage in Lamentations, as I talk about encouragement, I'm reading from Lamentations. It's okay. <laughs> but you'll see why I chose it. Um, allow this to be our call from the Lord into a time of worship and praise. You know, we are told elsewhere in Scripture to set our minds on things above where Christ is, not on things of the earth. And so this is an opportunity for us to do that, preparation for meeting with our God at the throne of grace. It says this in Lamentations chapter 3, starting in verse 22. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease for his compassions 
never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. Would you stand with me as I pray us into worship? Father, we thank you that you are a good, good father, that you are our shepherd, and your word tells us that great is your faithfulness. You are forever faithful towards us, even when we are lacking in faith. Your mercies are for us, and they are new for us every morning. So God, we have gathered here this morning, and we are looking forward to just being in your presence and receiving those new mercies for us today. Your compassions never fail us. Your loving kindness towards us is forever and forever. Therefore, God, we have hope. Therefore, we have hope in you. You are our portion, so says our souls. So, Lord, we lift up voices and hearts to you now through these songs. We sing words that are true about who you are and are true about our blessings because of our relationship with you. God, thank you for reconciling us to you through Jesus, and so it motivates us to say thank you. And that's what we're going to do now, Lord just to say thank you and do so by singing these songs of praise to you. We pray that you are blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Praise you, Lord. Well, let's pray. Father, you are good. Lord, we love. We love, Lord Jesus. We love that we can sing those words that we will put our trust in you and we will not be shaken as we trust in you, our firm foundation. Oh, God, you are worthy of all this praise, Lord. All the praise we could ever sing. And so we, we thank you, Lord. Continue to bless us, move through us in your spirit, Lord, as we continue to fellowship together and spend time in your word as you transform us. Thank you, Lord, for a sweet time of worship where you deserve it all, but we're grateful for that opportunity and privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. Say good morning to somebody next to you. Yes. With a silver tongue, convince a crowd, but don't have love, I leave a bitter taste with every word I say. So let my life be the proof, the proof of your we uh, finish up some sweet time of um, worship and then fellowship. Again, good to see all of you. Uh, that's also the time of you always usually notice that our kids head down to um, our Trinity Kids ministry, and so um, we're grateful for them. It's good to see them playing yesterday and have a great time at the Harvest Fellowship. And um, So they, uh, you know, they have their own time of learning and growing and serving and worshiping God, just as we will do here together. Um, 
but I just wanted to get caught up in a few things. We call it church life before we dive into God's word. Um, If you want to find your place now, we will be in uh, Matthew chapter 4, the end of chapter 4, verses 23 to 25, so you can make your way there uh, in your Bibles. But uh, just as a great reminder that um, we have core values here at Trinity that we hold dear. They are important to us. It's learn, grow, and serve. And that is how we pursue being disciples, by learning the truth and growing in faith and serving and serving one another. Uh, And, um, you know, that is the choice we make to be disciples, because after we put our faith and trust in Jesus and him alone for the salvation of our personal sin, Jesus says, then, if you want to be my disciples, then you take up your cross, you deny yourself, and you follow me. And that is what we want to pursue doing here at Trinity, being disciples, followers of Jesus. Again, thank you to everybody that volunteered to help make yesterday a great success. Yeah, it was an awesome time. So we thank you for that. A couple other quick announcements. We have our new resource in, and uh, we'll have these available to everyone in different ways in the next couple of months. We um, uh, will be going through this. Tell your story, tell the story. And this is the, the, the next resource in our discipleship pathway toolkit that I've been uh, mentioning for a while. And so they're hot off the presses. And uh, this is the second installment as we had our grace booklet uh, talking about the foundation of grace in the life of a disciple in the pursuit of discipleship. But uh, this allows us to address two of those stepping stones in our pathway of discipleship about learning together how to share your testimony, telling your story, telling other people uh, in a strategic way how Jesus has changed your life, what it looked like for you before you knew Jesus, and who introduced you to Jesus, and how did you come to believe in the gospel of Jesus? And so that's the first half of this book, telling your story. But then it goes hand in hand with learning how to tell the story, which is the actual gospel. What are the elements of the gospel? What things do we say that actually aren't part of the gospel? And What are those elements that are key to be able to share? And how do we do that in a clear and concise way so people uh, understand the beautiful, simple gospel of grace? That is the second half of this book. And as you can imagine, they go hand in hand. So it is a new resource out of our discipleship pathway and teaching us how to learn how to share our testimony of faith and to share the gospel with others. And so you'll be hearing more about how to get one of these booklets. We'll be doing this in um, Sunday classes. We'll be doing it as a brief sermon series coming up next month and uh, also as uh, small groups meeting in homes. And so different ways to be able to access this information. But just remember that, um, you know, our Discipleship Pathway resource is available on our website. Uh, We have that overview of all of the steps and a breakdown of each one. It's a great tool to use as a reminder of what we should all be doing in that pursuit of following Jesus. When we say learn, grow, and serve, this is how we do it. This is us unpacking the learning and the growing and serving together. It's that discipleship pathway. So check out our website, and you'll see good information there that is a great jumping-off point into other resources to help you in your journey with Jesus 
Uh, a few dates to be reminded of to save the date. Uh, we have our fellowship lunch next Sunday. Uh, we didn't eat enough food yesterday, and so we want to more food, maybe some leftovers, you know. But uh, we have our communion Sunday and fellowship lunch that is next Sunday, the first Sunday of November. We have a church work day, long overdue, um, on the 11th. So that's the following Saturday. We have some cleanup to do, uh, mostly inside, but we have a few outside projects. Most of that was all done uh, for us yesterday. The outside looks beautiful. Hopefully you've noticed that. And uh, we're grateful for that. So we have some mostly inside projects to do, some cleaning that we do a couple times a year. And so put that on your calendar. You'll hear more about details, but that's a church work day on uh, Saturday, November 11th. The Jersey Shore Rescue Mission, the actual, the annual coat giveaway is uh, November 18th. If you have volunteered with that in the past, you should have gotten an email uh, from the Rescue Mission about how to volunteer again. If you haven't done that, just simply go to their website. You can just Google it, Jersey Shore Rescue Mission, and right on there it has the event and about how, uh, who to contact if you'd like to sign up to volunteer to help uh, on that day. Many of you have done that in the past. It's a wonderful opportunity. You can also see Andrew and Elizabeth who head up our missions team uh, and work there about more details on the coat giveaway. Our Thanksgiving Eve service uh, is at 7 p.m. We have that traditionally every year. That's a, a great time to get together as a family. There's a lot of testimony that night, so a, a short message. It's not just another time of hearing me talk, but you get to hear from others about what God is doing in their life and things we're thankful for for this previous year. Uh, and then we always end with uh, a pie social, so you get to have some pie, and uh, that's always good. Uh, and so that is uh, Thanksgiving Eve, 7 o'clock. And then the Women's Christmas Party has been announced. That's on Friday, December 1st. And so, ladies, uh, you can look for information. I believe that's already up on our website, and uh, you get more details about the timing and location of all that. But that's an annual event through the Women's Ministry that's always uh, uh, well attended and uh, important. And so please keep all those things on your calendar. Um, I would like to pray for us now, the time of just um, as your pastor praying over you, praying for some things that are um, concerning all of us. And as we move into opening the Word of God together, it's important that we, we pray, considering some things that are going on in our lives, our community, and the world around us. So let's just look to the Lord in prayer. Say pray over us, and then we'll open God's Word uh, together in the book of Matthew. Let's pray. Jesus, you... Um, you spent much time praying, and you went to the Father often to get away from the crowds, and you needed time with your, with your Heavenly Father, and we need that too. And so we gather in your name, and we pray in your name, Jesus, as we pray to the Father. You prayed um, a, a beautiful priestly prayer over us, your, your children, your disciples, and the generations to come of disciples. You prayed for us when you said, now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, you prayed to the Father for us. 
and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus, thank you for that prayer for us, that you would beseech the Father to protect us, Lord. It was obviously your heart in that prayer that you didn't want us taken from this world, but that the Father would protect us during times of travail and difficulty. And we know that we experience those things in our lives and in our greater world. And so we thank you, Lord. We realize that you don't um, rescue us from every situation that we have to go through things because it's part of your plan. And God, it's hard to understand, but yet we know it's true that sometimes you know that it's better for us to go through suffering and difficulties. So we thank you for praying for us and we pray to you now. And we pray that as you prayed for us, we would be a good witness in our world as we are unified together and as we love one another so that the world would know we are yours. We pray that we would be a beacon of hope as your church here in Allenwood. And we pray this for our brothers and sisters around the world who are gathering right now as well to worship and to pray. We pray that this world would see peace and not war. We pray that this world would see safety and protection for the innocent. As wars rage around us, Lord, we've been praying for those that have been victims and caught up in the war in Ukraine. Lord, we know there's wars in other parts of the world we just don't even know about, Lord, or the war in Israel, the attack on your people in Israel. God, have mercy. We pray that there would be peace. We pray, Lord God, ultimately that somehow through this devastation, through barbarism and atrocities, that somehow you get glory because people come to you. God, we know ultimately your heart is for redemption and for reconciliation and that people would come to you, Lord, in these times which we can't truly imagine sitting here. God, that people would turn their eyes to you. It's often, Lord, in our most desperate hours when we turn to you. So, Lord, please have mercy over the land of Israel. Have mercy on everyone involved. We pray for all those in Gaza. We pray for those in Israel, in Lebanon, Lord, those who are caught up, who are under the regime of oppressive governments who um, do not believe in what they are doing and how they are doing it. We pray for the believers all around the Middle East, Lord God. We know there are many. God, be merciful towards them. Protect them, Lord God. Father, we know from your word that that land and that people have a special place in your history and in your heart. So we simply just pray. We pray, God, even not knowing how to pray and what to pray for, but just praying. 
because you tell us to pray. And so, God, we ask for your mercy. We ask for your protection. We ask for your provision for those who have lost everything, especially loved ones. We pray for the elderly and for the children, those who are completely dependent on others. We pray for the thousands of elderly Holocaust survivors living in Israel, and especially those who recently escaped the war in Ukraine to take refuge in Israel. God, we can't imagine what it's like. Have mercy. May we, your people of hope, and your representatives of peace, distinguish and define good and evil as you do. And through it all, may we continue to trust in you and be people of prayer. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. It's verses 23 through 25, just these three verses. And what it is, is it's an overview. It's an overview of the ministry that Jesus is about to embark on. Remember, Matthew is writing this gospel to a predominantly Jewish, now believing in Messiah group of people. And so he is reminding them that Jesus, the one that they had believed in, is indeed the Messiah. He is indeed the long-awaited king who has come to offer them the kingdom that they as a nation and a people had so long waited for. And so by way of review, we remember who Matthew is writing to, and in our passage I'll read in just a moment, we are reminded that Matthew is setting the stage to share with his readers and with us the teachings the proclamations of the king. See, kings make proclamations, don't they? And so he's showing the king of Israel, the king of the Jews, has come to make proclamations. And this morning we're going to see that he does it in two main ways, that Jesus makes proclamations as the king through his words and also through his works as the healer. Because it tells us in our passage that God came about healing See, Jesus was to be a unifying force, although because of sinful hearts, he caused the division. I couldn't help but notice as people are filing in this morning that we have a real divide in our church this morning, people. We have people here with blue jerseys on. Uh, There was a whole family right here. I think they all went down the hall for kids' church, proudly wearing their blue Giants jerseys. But unfortunately, they outnumber our one brother over here with uh, just his green, proud Jets jersey. Because evidently, they're playing each other today at 1 o'clock. And so, yes, you're like, you better be brief because we got to get home to get lunch to watch the game. And so we need to pray for division in our church and, you know, that there would be unity. We're supposed to be unified, right? And so, but we need to pray especially for the Jets fans because they know what it means to suffer, don't they? Therefore, they must be more spiritual because they just, they're calling on the name of the Lord in many ways, aren't they, over the years? And so we are grateful 
But you know, Jesus did come to heal, and he came to bring healing. But he did also say elsewhere that realistically, he knew that he would bring division because of his message and because of sinful, broken hearts. But yet Jesus, God, is our healer. And that will be our focus this morning. As we see Jesus as king, making proclamations through his teaching through his words, but also through his works, mainly his works of healing. So by way of review, our series is called King and Kingdom, the Gospel of Matthew. He is presenting primarily Jesus as king. Because we have four gospels, and Matthew's is unique because of the audience he's writing to and his theme. Remember, Every book in the Bible is written for a purpose and with a theme, and especially in the New Testament, they're writing to specific audiences to address issues. And Matthew is no different because he is writing this account of the life and teachings of Jesus to remind his readers that Jesus is the king and to address issues of the kingdom, especially as we learned that his people will reject him and reject the offer of the kingdom. And so his followers would have then asked that question, well, what now? What about the kingdom now that he has been rejected? So Matthew addresses that. But his purpose is to show that Jesus is the king and has brought the kingdom. So we have seen already in the first four chapters of Matthew, his birth, Jesus' uh, genealogy, the visit of the wise men, Uh, the flight of Mary and Joseph and Jesus into Egypt because of Herod. We see Mary and Joseph and Jesus returning to Nazareth after Herod dies. Then we meet John the Baptist, and we learn about his birth and his ministry, and we see Jesus was baptized. We see Jesus being tempted in the wilderness as a way of preparation for ministry. Right there is a key element of our message today. God doesn't always heal everyone and all of us in the ways that we would like because sometimes he knows we need to go through trials. Jesus goes through trials in the desert in preparation for what God had in store for him. Then we see Jesus begins his ministry by calling his first disciples, Peter and Andrew, James and John. That's the last time we were in Matthew So that gets us caught up to today. So a lot has happened in four chapters, right? You see the beginning of the life and now the ministry of Jesus. So now in these verses, Matthew 23 to uh, 4, 23 to 25, Matthew just gives us sort of a summary. It's been called like a resume of Jesus, an overview of what Jesus' ministry would look like as a way to set the stage for what comes next, because then next week we get into Matthew 5, and Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are the longest teaching and sermon that we have recorded of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, a sermon, a message that we are all familiar with to one degree or another. So we're going to spend a, a number of weeks in those three chapters, the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus gives that sermon to explain and describe what life will look like in the kingdom and what it should look like for us today, those of us who are heirs of that kingdom in Jesus, that coming kingdom, see? Because he's our king and we are waiting for his return, aren't we? We look forward to that. 
And so we, it, it gives us great description, Matthew 5 through 7, of what it looks like to live as if we were in the kingdom today. How should we be acting, representing that kingdom in this fallen and broken world? So today, these just three verses are setting the stage for that, but yet they are very important because it shows us what Jesus was all about. Right? We have lots of thoughts and ideas about Jesus when we think of him, we sing his name, and we have all ideas, but let's keep in focus and in context what Jesus was sent to do, and how did he do it? Well, he was teaching and preaching and healing. He was a king making proclamations through his words, but also through his works. So let's look at this overview of Jesus' ministry to help us better better understand the mission and the message of Jesus, and then the application for us today. How are we to respond as we choose to follow him as disciples? So I'll read it for you, and then we'll unpack it a bit. So, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. So the news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those uh, who were suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. That's our reading for this morning. So we see this summary of what Jesus was coming to do and what he started doing. And so we see that Jesus was going about preaching, proclaiming, and healing. So here's a map just to kind of give you an overview. It might be hard to see, but just a a brief overview. Some of you maybe have been looking more at the map of the Middle East these days than more than recently. And so just to give you a general idea, but Jesus, right, was preaching in that area, sort of right in the middle. But people were coming from all around, even up north where it says Syria. Basically, it means the north, all that area to the north. That Jesus, his fame was growing. People were hearing about this man who was preaching with authority and healing all kinds of diseases and sickness. So it says that word of him spread. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, from the Decapolis, which is uh, a group of 10 cities. That's what Decapolis is. 10 cities just to the east. And in Jerusalem and Judea, And from beyond the Jordan, basically, Matthew is saying, they came from all over. That's what he was saying. He came from all over. Jesus, in his lifetime, never traveled too far from his homeland, but yet his word is spread, and word of him spread. So, that's what he was saying. So, Jesus, as king was making proclamations of the kingdom first by his words. It's just Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, 
teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So first we notice that Jesus' ministry was as the king of the Jews. His ministry was primarily to the Jewish people because he was the Jewish Messiah, the one promised to that nation Israel. He, of course, is Hebrew. And it says he ministered in the synagogues, which is where the Jewish people would gather for worship, but also mainly for teaching and instruction in the word of the law. So Jesus went all throughout Galilee. It says he was teaching in the synagogues. He went to where he would find the Jewish community. It was a place of Jewish gathering. He preached in the Jewish synagogues in and around Galilee, where people were coming to learn and be instructed in the word. So let's not get that lost on us, that here is the living word, as John calls him, He is coming as the light, the living word, to bring light and life to a place where it was dark. Why? Because they were a people who were burdened by the law. So he goes to the places where the people needed to hear it the most. And he comes teaching and preaching. He had been through his trials in the wilderness, and then the angels ministered to him and Then he begins his ministry. He's baptized and saying, yes, I am here. He's like prepared for his ministry. He calls his first disciples and he's gathering his community and his team around him. Remember, he called them out. He said, I'm going to take you fishermen and make you fishers of men. And so Jesus goes to the synagogues. You know, that's what the apostle Paul did too. Did you ever notice that? As you read his writings in the New Testament, Whenever Paul went to a new city, he went into their synagogue teaching. So Jesus is going about teaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So he is fulfilling his role as a prophet. See, Jesus has three offices, we might say. Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. He came first as prophet. He currently serves in the role as priest. He is our great high priest, interceding for us in heaven. And when he comes back, he comes back as king. Do you see that? Prophet, priest, and king. So he fulfilled that duty, that calling as prophet, by teaching and proclaiming good news because the prophets were called by God to make proclamations. It wasn't always good news because he was proclaiming judgment on the people of Israel, the prophets did. But there was always hope, there was always an offer for repentance that the people would be reconciled to their God. So Jesus came teaching and proclaiming, preaching as the prophet did. You see that prophesied about in Deuteronomy 18, that Jesus would fulfill that calling. He came preaching the good news of the kingdom. Why? To fulfill his covenant with Israel. God had promised that he would send a redeemer, that he would send the Messiah to come. And Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom to offer the kingdom to the nation of Israel. So he preached a primarily Jewish message, the good news about 
the Messianic kingdom. Because when it says he went about and John the Baptist went about preaching repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He was saying, I'm here. At hand means imminent, like right here. I'm, I'm in your presence. So he's saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's saying, I'm your king and I am here. And if you receive me and accept me, you will have the kingdom that is being offered to you. You know, eventually they rejected him. But it says that he came about preaching this gospel of the kingdom. What is this gospel? Let's remember, too, that it's not the gospel as we often think of it. So the gospel simply means good news. So here it's the good news of the kingdom that Jesus was offering. We normally think it in context of our age of grace, this church age. The gospel we preach is the gospel of grace, that Jesus died and was buried and rose again to defeat death and if we were simply believe in him and put our trust in him for salvation, that we will be saved. That's the good gospel of grace that we preach and that has saved us today. But Jesus went around preaching the good news that the kingdom is here. The good news the people had rejected. So therefore, that kingdom that the king brought and offered was postponed until he comes back. We see that in Romans 9, 10, and 11. And Paul tells us this great treatise on God's dealing with the people of Israel. And I read it last week that Paul reminds us there will come a day when that nation during great tri times of tribulation, yet future, will call out on his name. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord after they have believed in him. But yet Jesus, we are reminded, has come preaching and proclaiming good news and healing. Listen to Isaiah 35, 5 through 6. It is a prophecy about Jesus and the kingdom and what is to come. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Jesus came to heal. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Isaiah 35. Does that not sound good? Jesus is our healer. He comes to bring restoration and reconciliation. So the king proclaimed the kingdom with his words. The king proclaimed the kingdom by also his works. Because what does it say in verse 23? And healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And the news about him spread, uh, spread throughout all Syria. That was that northern part on that map. His, his, his ministry and his fame went northwards. And they brought to him all these people that were gathering, all the crowds from all around. They brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains and demoniacs, people who were possessed, and epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Can you just, church, can you picture the scene of, of, of just crowds of people throughout that land, hearing about Jesus, finding about where he was, gathering their family and their loved ones who had all kinds of these serious diseases and illnesses, and they were just bringing him. They were bringing them to Jesus. Jesus, please, us. 
It's no wonder it said that large crowds were following him everywhere. Wouldn't we do the same thing? Wouldn't we want to go and say, Jesus, heal us? We would. But praise God, we can call on him today as believers because he is our healer. Ultimately, he brings spiritual healing. That's that moment of salvation. But we can pray to God for healing, more of that in a moment. We realize that God heals us spiritually, ultimately, by his death and resurrection, but he offers healing to us in many other ways. So, the king proclaimed the kingdom by his works. He came about healing. Healing, performing miracles. They came from all around, from the Decapolis and Galilee, near the Sea of Galilee, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan. And he was healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. What a great reminder that God can do all things. He healed every kind of sickness. There was no physical malady. There is no spiritual brokenness that Jesus cannot fix. And the news about him spread all throughout Syria. And they brought everybody to him to heal all kinds of people. He did it, why? Because he's compassionate. But remember in context too, he's the king proclaiming the kingdom. So we are reminded that these healings also authenticated and validated that he is indeed the promised Messiah, that he is that prophet of old that was foretold. He is the Messiah, the healer, the redeemer. His words that he proclaimed were being backed up by his authenticating signs, by healing people and performing miracles. See, all of these things should have convinced the Jewish people that their God was, again, moving in history. He was always moving, but for them to see, after experiencing those 400 years, in between the Old and New Testament, we see Jesus come on the scene and his people should have seen that God was again moving in front of them in history to accomplish his purposes and will and to fulfill his covenant promises. We just sang earlier that he makes promises, that he keeps promises. See, the people that, Jewish, that Jesus came to, the, the Jewish people, they were responsible now for getting ready for the Messiah and for his kingdom by acknowledging Jesus as that promised king and repenting, meaning repenting of living under the law and being distracted by the law and of recognizing then who Jesus is. So Jesus practiced healing because he's compassionate and also to authenticate his message. You know, it's an important reminder for us when we talk about testimony, and I was talking earlier about our new resource and telling your story and telling the story that we have a witness in front of the world, and we've all been there, church, haven't we, where people maybe at work or at school or even in our own families have seen us do things that were not so Christian-like. They say, boy, I thought you were a Christian. You go to church, you're always inviting me to church, and you said that and you did this. We feel guilty. We know we're not perfect. We always want to point people to Jesus and not us. However, we know that we do have a witness, and it's important how we live before others. That is the power of our 
testimony, and we almost always see it in the negative when we have leaders who the world thinks represent us, even though they don't, but who are representing Christ, and they fall, and it's a very public and famous fall, as we would say, and we talk about how it hurts and tarnishes their testimony and, by connection, ours as well. And so we are to make sure that the words that we share, the gospel we proclaim, are backed up by our living, right? Ultimately, it's Jesus' job to save. That's what he does. But we plant the seed, we share the good news, we make the proclamation of the gospel. How we live it out is extremely important. So Jesus was backing up his words by his works. He is compassionate. He's also prophetic as he is proclaiming in word and deed what the kingdom will be like. This certainly is good news. Church, there is an ancient Japanese art form. It's called kintsugi. And that word kintsugi really means healing through gold or golden repair. It's this ancient Japanese art form and also a philosophy that says that things that are broken do not need to necessarily be discarded. It means that there is beauty in brokenness, that we are to embrace it. And so in this art form, it's about taking broken things, usually something made of pottery, porcelain, that breaks, that has such value, that is restored, but not in any normal or pedestrian way. Gold is used in the mixture to fill in and heal those broken pieces to make it one. And so, in many ways, it is then restored to be used again, sometimes not by its original purpose. Maybe sometimes simply as just a work of art. But yet it still has value and purpose. You know that we are considered by God as a masterpiece, right? When we are called his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, that it means masterpiece, that you are a work of art to God. As you wake up this morning and look in the mirror and say that to yourself, man, you are a beautiful work of art. Hmm. Maybe somebody said that to you. But see, why is that important? Because yes, this is about the outside. It's the aesthetic. It's the appearance. But see that this work of this art form, this ancient Japanese art form, it's still practiced today. It's more about, it's much more than just about putting the pieces together and making it useful. It's about seeing the beauty in the broken pieces. When you have something broken before you, oftentimes it's easier, it's our reaction to just discard it and throw it away. You know, God doesn't do that with us. He does not discard us or throw us away. In fact, it's in our brokenness that God sees that beauty. 
Jesus came to bring healing. He healed all kinds of diseases, serious illnesses. We all can relate to that. You know what? We can pray for healing because God still heals, doesn't he? But yet we know from scripture and we know from experience, he doesn't heal every one of us in every way that we would like. Sometimes he talks to us like he did to the apostle Paul. He cried out three times, remove this thorn from my side. Why? Because Paul just wanted to do even more for Jesus and his kingdom. And Jesus said, no, can you imagine that? Jesus said no, but how did he say it? My grace is sufficient. See, oftentimes, church, that's God's answer to our prayers for healing. Sometimes it's a yes. We praise God for that. Sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's not yet. And so we wait and we trust. But sometimes Jesus says, I'm going to allow you to keep that thorn in your side because I know it's good for you. It might not feel good. It might be distracting, but it'll help you to rely on me. Jesus knows what's best. That's probably one of the hardest things, right, for Christians to do and and, and to live with as we're walking with Jesus to realize that, wait, he might want me to be sick, to be chronically ill. He might not take away this, this deep depression and this panic disorder that I have, and he might allow me to live with that forever, and why would he do that? The question is, do we trust him that he knows what's best for us? See, this art of kintsugi is about treating broken things and repairing it, and it sees in it, it shows us, it's a, it's a great beautiful visual example of how brokenness is a part of our history. So we look at a piece like this and we say, this has a story. We have stories. We are to tell our story and to tell his story because our stories are stories of healing, aren't they? Rather than trying to, to disguise the brokenness, which we all do. How are you this morning? I'm great. Everything's great. Praise the Lord. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you, sister. When inside you're hurting. See, this art form says, no. Let us embrace the brokenness. Let's not hide it. Let's show it for all its beauty. Let's heal the broken pieces, bind them back together with gold. Church, who in our life is the gold that heals us? It is Jesus, the gold standard, the best of the best, the only one who could heal us. It also reminds us that we are worth it to God because we are his masterpiece. Claudia knows a lot about this art forum and has taught me about it. It was reminding me about it for today and She also pointed out that, you know what? This art form takes time. You don't just kind of mix the gold dust in this thing and you slap it together. It takes time, days, weeks, months, to do it piece by piece to make sure that it's together. So it takes time and patience as we slowly add more 
gold to it as you slowly sand the rough edges and realizing after the healing it might not be used for what its original purpose was. But see, God, and this is important, God can bring the healing and touch the areas of our life where we need the healing in ways where we can be even more beautiful afterwards because that's what God does. So let this and this teaching this morning and this word from God about what Jesus was doing, he was proclaiming the kingdom through his words and his works of healing. Let it be a reminder to us that God is at work in our lives. I said earlier, it's the beauty of sharing testimony, right? With each other, how God is at work. And sometimes we need to carry the burdens for each other. Remember, you know what? This is where the gold is. Let God, let Jesus, that gold in our life, bring healing. But hey, let's remember, it takes time. Sometimes God chooses to heal like that. We've seen it. We've all heard about it. Witness to miracles. You have a loved one that has cancer and goes into the doctor, and the doctor says, we didn't even start treatment, but it's gone. God can do that. And sometimes it takes time, but it's always worth it because we are worth it to God. Because inerrant in this art form is that, listen, that we see value in the thing that is broken. If there's no value to it, then it's not worth putting in the time and using the gold. But Jesus looks at each and every one of us and says, I see value in you because I created you and you are my child and I love you. And you are my masterpiece. You know what? We can be even more beautiful with scar. We all have scars. You've heard me share about physical scars, about mental scars, about my struggle with depression and anxiety that developed a panic disorder. You've heard me share those words of testimony in different stories. I want to believe and walk in the truth that I am now more beautiful to God in that brokenness. And he has chosen to say to me, let my grace be sufficient. Let that thorn remain in your side. Church, let us embrace those flaws and those brokenness as we embrace the art of repair to God, our healer. He didn't heal every single person he met throughout his years of ministry, but he did perform all kinds of healing. God still brings healing to broken homes, broken marriages, broken families, broken dreams, broken bodies. Remember that God is able to heal everyone from anything, but yet sometimes he chooses not to for his purposes and our benefit. Also remember that we don't get to judge what's fair and what's not. It's his standard. And God always focuses more on the spiritual healing but still can heal us physically. Finally, Kintsugi is a beautiful picture of creation and death and resurrection. The picture of Jesus and what he offers to us. So if we're to be his disciples and he says, come and follow me, here's what we should be doing. 
telling our story, our testimony of our brokenness and despair and how God brought healing and how we are still waiting on him for further healing. How he healed us completely in Christ spiritually, but how we still pray for healing in broken homes and broken families and broken relationships, broken mind and body. We have a testimony and a story of healing to proclaim. Would you stand with me? It says, Psalm 143, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. When he returns and brings his kingdom, when we will be with him, there'll be ultimate healing. The Bible says, no more tears, no more sorrow. Isaiah 61, three to four. We'll leave with this passage as our call to go out and share our testimony, live out our testimony, embrace the brokenness in our lives, and embrace it because to God, those broken pieces are beautiful, and he offers us Jesus to bring that healing. To comfort all who mourn, a prophecy about the coming Messiah, our Jesus, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, another word for Jerusalem, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Is that the kind of kingdom you want to live in? They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. God brings restoration to broken things and broken people. Let's pray. Father, you bring beauty for ashes. You sent Jesus to be that gold that binds us together in our broken places and ultimately to restore our relationship with you if we would simply believe. We believe that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did what he said he was going to do. God, thank you that we are a work of art to you. May we see ourselves in all of our faults and failings and broken pieces that you are the God who heals. Lord, we want to continue to pray that you bring physical healing to us when we are hurting. We know and trust that you are able to heal every kind of disease and every kind of illness, so we beseech you that you would do that for us as a congregation and individually. But God, give us, please, the patience we need to wait on you and the courage to even hear, let my grace be sufficient. Father, have your way with us, but now through your Spirit, empower and embolden us to go forth from this place to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus and to live out our testimony, broken pieces and all. God, that ultimately you would get the glory. We look forward to that day when you return and we get to see you face to face in our beautiful new bodies that are completely whole. But until then, Lord, we thank you we thank you for being our God, the God who heals. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, church, for joining us this morning. Praise the Lord. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so, um, real briefly, um, we're studying in, in Sunday and Tuesday the first book of Thessalonians. Thessalonica, and basically, you look, look at that book, and you're motivated, and, and, and when you see the love Paul has for that church, the desire to disseminate truth, he cares for them, praying day and night, all these things that are, that are really moving in that book. You get a chance later this afternoon, just read through it, and you just see the hotels as living examples of that. They are the real deal. They're the real deal. And Claudia, you are a blessing. Um, you are just, a, you have a gentle, precious heart. These, this, these two are a team. This is not a pastor and the wife who just, this is a team. Two people that are together, and even their family support, you know, does what they can to support this church. But this is a beautiful team that we have the benefit of having in our, as our pastor and, and pastor's wife. And, and they love each other, and they love you, and they do things together to, to make it better for all of us. And opening their home and just their hearts are, 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 are just wonderful for us. And um, I just appreciate them so much. And I know all of you do too, right? Yeah. So, so today, you got a few minutes. If you want to come up, if you got any individual things you want to give to them, uh, that, that would be the time. Thank you. water and deepest pain I wouldn't trade it for anything cause my brokenness brought me to you and these wounds are a story you'll use so I'm thankful for
And with my 